one of the problems uh, with splitting up the Bible into chapters and verses is that we tend to read the Bible like a book. So when we come to a new chapter, we think it is a new topic and we read it as such. But that's not the way the Bible was written. Chapter divisions um, we have in our Bibles today were introduced in the 13th century. And verse numbers didn't come into the Bible until the 1500s. And whilst it makes it easy for us to find the same spot, it doesn't mean we can some we can some sorry it does mean we can miss its continuity sometimes. Last week we looked at what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. Well, this week's reading is a follow-on, a direct follow-on from last week. It is in fact a continuation. Last week, Jesus told his people what it meant to follow him. This week, he sends them out to put it into practice. The other difficulty with this morning's reading is that only Luke records the sending out of the 70. And on top of that, there is some dispute over the exact numbers that were sent. Two separate old manuscripts differ on the exact numbers. Well, some of you will be thinking this morning, well, Roy, does it really matter? Does it really matter that one manuscript says 70 and another one says 72? Why would it matter? Well, I think it does. I think these oddities in the Bible do matter. If we don't think about them, if we're not aware of them, if we don't wrestle with them, they can come back and trip us up. They can create doubt. Well, the oddity this morning, the 70 and 72, I don't really think is such a big issue. You see, Luke is always trying to write Jesus in the light of Moses. Now, if you've read Numbers, Numbers 11, sorry, chapter 11, verse 16 and 25, Moses chose 70 elders of Israel to receive the Spirit, to help him. And in that story... Two extras sitting nearby received received the Spirit as well, making it 72. So the confusion is likely to to do around the the writers that were producing the original text, reproducing the original text, trying to do like Luke, painting Jesus in the same light as Moses. Moses. As we know, the original, from the original Exodus, the Israelites weren't a very happy bunch. They often rebelled against God. They spent a good amount of time grumbling and complaining. They really didn't want to go where God was leading. That's why Moses needed the extra help. In Jesus' case, many, of, many if not all his contemporaries, didn't want to know about him. That is, despite all his acts of power, the healings, his knowledge of scripture, history so often repeats itself, doesn't it? Jesus' way of love and peace was not what the Jewish leadership was readying themselves for. 
at the very centre of Jesus' call was peace. To his contemporaries, it's not what they wanted. Didn't want it with the Samaritans and certainly didn't want it with the Romans. They wanted an all-in war. A war that would bring God's justice swiftly to their aid and wipe the floor with their enemies. But that very notion of fighting evil with evil was not the vision of the kingdom of God that Jesus was bringing into the world. It was like the people of Israel wanted to go back to Egypt. Jesus' vision, his vision of God's kingdom, was in total opposite direction. But I don't believe that Jesus' decision here was totally based on the fact that the Jewish people were outnumbered, ill-equipped and untrained compared to the Romans. No, I think it was more based on his knowledge and the love of Israel's God. Jesus knew God as Father, a generous grace, sorry, a Father of generous grace, astonishing, powerful, healing love. This was the Father whose life-giving power flowed through Jesus to do amazing things. This was the Father which Jesus was committed. So Jesus sends out 70 out into the world with a dual purpose. One, to be a warning. The other, an invitation. Luke explains the rationale of the mission. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The first part of the statement is purposeful. That occurs elsewhere in various forms. The reference to the harvest in Jewish scripture alludes to both end time judgment and preservation. Both aspects are present, though the emphasis here is on the gathering of God's people and the lack of workers to assist in the task. Jesus then instructs them regarding the danger of their assignment. Go, I'm sending you like lambs to the wolves. Well, wolves were were greedy animals, grumpy, deceitful, bold, violent. And people of this type were not the type you wanted to place your safety with. But rather than equipping his disciples, Jesus de-equips them. Do not carry a wallet, travel bag or sandals and greet no one along the way. The absence of what we might think of the standard travelling equipment indicates the total dependence of the disciples on the sender. The instructions, the instruction to greet no one on the way underscores the urgency of the mission. It is saying, be single-minded. Be single-minded in purpose. And something that I'm sure he says to me a lot, don't get distracted. Jesus gives further instructions regarding the behaviour when they enter a house. Into whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a peaceful person happens to be there, your peace will remain on them. If that's not the case, it will return to you. The command to greet a household with peace 
is not only adopting common Jewish practice, but it is also central to Jesus' central to Jesus' message of Jesus' good news. This peace will find fulfilment if within the household there is a peaceful person. Literally means a son of peace. To be a son or a child of someone is to be characterised by that attribute. Jesus also says, stay in that same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For a worker is worthy of his wage. Do not move from house to house. And whenever you, you, sorry, and whatever city you enter and they welcome you, eat what is placed before you. I am sure many of us growing up, when we went to visit somebody's house, well, no, my parents did. No matter what happens, eat what's put in front of you, Roy. Don't be ungrateful. Don't, even if it is, even if it is uh, pumpkin, even if it is those little round, horrible things. Oh, don't say that. We don't say the Brussels sprout word in church. <laughs> I'm sure we've all been told that. Eat what's put in front of you. Well, the social context is hospitality. The command to eat and drink what is provided is standard custom for a guest in a hospitality context. Such activity is an act of table fellowship. I, my, when, when my mother used to say, and looking back to when my mother used to say this to me, I wonder whether that saying, eat what's put in front of you, I wonder whether it came out of some biblical misunderstanding on her behalf and it just became part of the culture I don't know. Also, Jesus' followers are not to beg for money. Their wage is hospitality and shelter. Nor are they to move from house to house, becoming what we'd probably call freeloaders. But also Jesus says to them that they are to eat what is placed before you. This this may allude to to the setting aside of some of the strict food laws for the sake of sharing the good news. Especially if this mission, if this mission of the 70 is intended to foreshadow the mission to the Gentiles. Emulating Jesus, his followers are to respond to these acts of hospitality, indeed, by healing the sick, and word preaching the kingdom of God. Jesus also prepares the 70 for times when the responses to them may be one of rejection rather than the reception. He says, And whatever city you enter and they do not welcome you, go into the street and say, Even the dust that stuck to us from your city on our feet, we shake off against you. But know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, in those days it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that city. You may remember last week I spoke briefly about the rejection to Jesus by the Samaritans. Jesus has replaced the knee-jerk reaction of James and John with a powerful prophetic gesture. 
The shaking off of dust from their feet is an appropriate symbolic act for those who have not acted hospitably. For if they had been proper hosts who washed the feet of their guests, they wouldn't have dust to shake off. But also notice how Jesus tells them what they, what they should do and doesn't say anything about how they should be measured, how they should be measuring their success. If people don't accept your message, he says, shake off the dust of your feet and move on. In our churches today, it is difficult to avoid measuring success. We live with membership figures, giving levels, budgets, annual reports and so on. And it's very easy to measure our work by these figures. That is not how many people, sorry, that is how, not not, that is how many people will measure the success of a church. But to me, it seems contrary to this passage. It just seems to be against what Jesus is saying. Well, like you, I've heard this, this verse as a model for evangelism lots of times, which I think to some extent is right. But I'm not sure about what some of the aspects they stress about. For me, it is a great model of um, evangelism through relationships. The notion of peace seems to me to be the key. Personally, I think that's what it's all about, being personally vulnerable and being hospitable. Vulnerable is not being naive. It is about being open about your life, sharing Jesus in your life. In today's society, that will make you vulnerable. That will make you open to all sorts of things. But Jesus warns us about the wolves. They are those who, no matter what you say about God, they will not be willing to listen. They will be ready to tear shreds off you. My reading of the passage is, don't waste your time. Jesus allowed people to walk away from him. Look at last week. People called to follow him that wouldn't, and he allowed them to walk. Do not place yourselves among the wolves. But, there's always a but in my sermons, but through being hospitable, and I don't mean just sharing a meal. It means more than it means much more than that. It means being open, opening ourselves, our lives to others, allowing others, other people into our lives to see us as real people. Like the 70, God wants you to share your life, be vulnerable, share hospitality with those around you. That is how the kingdom of God will break into their lives. I mean...